It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Despite FBI warnings of potential protest at state capitals on Sunday, by late afternoon there were no demonstrations, armed or otherwise, at the Alaska Capitol in Juneau. Local law enforcement had prepared for the possibility of violence. An online flyer mistakenly listed the Diamond Center Mall in Anchorage as the location of Alaska's protests, leading the mall's owner to close the shopping center on Sunday. There were no reports of protests on Sunday at that location or anywhere else in Anchorage. It was a quiet day outside of the Capitol, where it rained through most of the afternoon. It was also quiet inside the Capitol, where lawmakers were meeting in small groups as they attempted to form majority caucuses in both chambers. Neither side of Alaska's legislature was organized going into the long weekend. The legislative session starts today, Tuesday, January 19th. Alaska lawmakers adopted a proposal Monday that would allow legislators to vote remotely through the same digital voting board as those in the Capitol building. The Legislative Council, which oversees legislative business when the legislature isn't in session, approved up to $74,000 to implement a new emergency remote voting system one day ahead of the new session. The legislature's current rules require that all lawmakers be present in the chamber to vote. The council's action would pay for a new system, but for the system to be implemented, lawmakers would have to change the rules after they've organized for this session. The new system would allow lawmakers to vote from the regional legislative information offices or from their homes if they are quarantined or isolated. Legislative staff estimate it will take 30 days to build their new remote voting system. However, staff said it could take less time to prepare a temporary solution that would allow some legislators to vote from outside of the Capitol building. A Juneau Superior Court judge will decide whether the state has met its constitutional obligation for subsistence in the management of the Sitka Sound Sacro herring fishery. The court heard oral arguments on January 14th from attorneys representing the Sitka Tribe of Alaska, the state, and commercial fishing interests. The outcome could give Sitka's indigenous population a larger role in determining how herring are shared among user groups in the future. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. The Sitka Tribe of Alaska filed suit against the state in 2018, claiming mismanagement of the herring fishery had infringed upon subsistence rights. Last year, the court made two judgments in STA's favor. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game must demonstrate how they consider the quality and the quantity of herring spawn on kelp and branches when making management decisions about the commercial fishery. And the department must ensure there is reasonable opportunity for subsistence users in its management of the fishery. In this latest hearing on January 14th, the tribe's case rested on a third question, whether the state has met its constitutional requirement to manage the Sitka Sound herring fishery for subsistence. STA attorney Andy Erickson argued that ADFG had a constitutional obligation to provide the Board of Fish with the best available information so it could make informed decisions about managing commercial and subsistence fisheries. He said ADFG failed to do that by omitting key reports and findings on the state's scientific model. He cited two specific reports, the Subsistence Harvest Data Report and the Martell Report, both of which he argued ADF&G failed to provide to the Board of Fish. The Martell Report was a scientific study of ADF&G's herring fishery model, written by a professor at the University of British Columbia in 2016. The report was commissioned by ADF&G and included some critiques and suggested fixes for the state's modeling. Erickson said the public and STA weren't aware of the report's existence until it came up during discovery. ADF&G had never provided that report, as far as the record reveals or as far as anyone knows, to the board. 
neither in 2018 nor 2019. And the reason that's important is because during those years, the board was being asked to consider specific proposals to change the regulation that ADF&G was implementing by using that particular model. Attorneys for the state and the Herring Conservation Alliance, which represents commercial fishing interests, argued that the state had met its constitutional obligations. Attorney Jeffrey Pickett said the tribe's argument did not, quote, meet the constitutional threshold. And if the state ruled in the tribe's favor, it would give competing user groups the right to demand constitutional review for any scientific judgments made by state experts, down to things like whether a spotter plane should fly at 120 knots or 140 knots. He said that wouldn't be tenable. Pickett said Erickson implied that ADF&G scientists were withholding information from the Board of Fish, which he said was offensive. Suggesting that these scientists and experts um, have kind of put their thumb on the scale and say what's in favor of the commercial fishery. I mean, that's, there's no evidence of that, that there's any kind of malfeasance or conspiratorial intent. Michael Stanley, who represents the Commercial Fishing Alliance, said the Martell report was only a small piece of information considered by ADF&G, and he said it could have been obtained by Sitka Tribe and the general public through a public records request. Judge Daniel Shalley presided over the hearing from Juneau. Around 40 people tuned into the broadcast on YouTube, but the tribe's opening oral arguments were not broadcast due to technical challenges during the first half hour. Shally said he found all of the arguments illuminating and said issuing his decision would take some time. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Alaska lawmakers have been gathering in Juneau for the start of the legislative session today. What's going to happen this year is particularly uncertain, with neither chamber having a majority caucus organized. On top of that, everyone spending time in the Capitol has to adjust to the COVID-19 pandemic and new safety precautions in the building. Alaska Public Media and KTOO's Andrew Kitchenman joined Alaska News Nightly host Casey Grove for a preview of the legislative session. First off, why don't we know who will be leading the legislature? Basically, it's over differences within the Republican Party. Republicans have a bigger majority in the Senate, almost two-thirds, but a much more narrow majority in the House, where they just have a couple more seats than the combination of Democrats and independents combined. In the House, what's really stopping things is one of the Republicans, Representative Louise Stutes from Kodiak, has said she would rather caucus with the other caucus in some sort of bipartisan or multi-party caucus. There are similar divisions in both chambers. Members often talk about procedural differences, particularly conservative Republicans uh, throughout the state have raised concerns about what's called a binding caucus where members are required to vote along with the leadership on procedural issues and also on the budget. But in many ways, the procedural differences really are so sharp because Republican members disagree over the direction of the state's policies. Okay, so fill us in a little bit on what those differences are. Yeah, I I mean, most immediately there are differences on whether to draw more from savings. That is, to start drawing down the permanent fund's earnings reserved in an unplanned way, really for the first time. And doing that versus having a bigger permanent fund dividend or uh, permanent fund dividend paybacks from previous years. The governor wants to draw $3 billion from the permanent fund's earnings reserve this year to pay for both dividends and for payments to make up for reductions to last year's dividend. He cites the state's economic needs, 
But it's also a similar approach to what he proposed last year, which was before the pandemic. Behind this more immediate dispute, there's big differences over the balance of deep spending cuts and cuts to state services versus new revenue or taxes. The upshot is that the session is four days away, and we don't know who will be the House Speaker, the Senate President, who will sit on committees, or even if the majority caucuses will have more Republicans or more Democrats. With all of this uncertainty, it's not clear what bills will get a hearing. Is there anything you can say for sure about what the legislature will be debating this year? There's a lot of concern about COVID-19's effect on the economy, but it's going to be tough to address without more federal money unless the state wants to spend further from the permanent funds earnings reserve, which hasn't been done in an unplanned way up until now in the history of the fund. Aside from all that uncertainty, this is the first full session since the COVID-19 pandemic started, right? So how will that change things? Yeah, Casey, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty over that since the rules under which the session is conducted are determined by the legislature's leaders. We know what rules were set by the outgoing legislative leaders. Some of them will literally be gone because they were defeated in the Republican primary last year. The rules that are in place as of today have a heavy emphasis on safety, and there could be fewer safety precautions if there was different leadership. For example, there was a dispute over a rule requiring that members be seated when they give speeches. Basically, that would prevent aerosols from escaping through the mask and and floating around the room. The outgoing leadership supported that rule, but it could change depending on who the new leaders are. The Capitol will be closed to the public, including lobbyists. News reporters will be allowed in, but we won't be allowed into floor sessions as of now. We don't know exactly what will happen, but there are tons of people talking right now trying to forge those new majorities. Whether that will take minutes, hours, days, even weeks, that remains unclear. Well, it sounds like they have decided to let you back in for another session. How many legislative sessions is this for you, Andrew? Yeah, Casey, it will have been five years since arriving in Alaska for my first session. I flew in a day and a half before the session started that year. This year is my sixth session. That was Alaska Public Media and KTOO's Andrew Kitchenman speaking with Alaska News Nightly host Casey Grove. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Public Library is collecting testimonies of the COVID-19 pandemic for its local oral history archive. Interviews are conducted with masks and in a physically distanced manner to reduce virus transmission. For information and to apply, email david.christompkins at cityofsitka.org. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning Edition.